You're listening to Love of the Links Golf Radio with your hosts, Brendan Elliott, Bob Baldessari, Andy Hydorn, and Chris Ray. All right, Love of the Links, uh, Season 3, Episode 2. Uh, and it, we're just playing a two ball today. We do, we do have a third. We're going to pick up on the back nine, Andy. Um, and I'm excited about having this gentleman on. But as far as leading the way, it's just you and me, buddy. So we're good. We're all good. All good. <laughs> you know, um, coming off the heels of Martin Luther King Day and being Black History Month, I noticed um, that you and Calvin Pete Jr. are pretty, pretty good friends. Uh, work together, I believe. Um, and I, you know, I'm a stalker. I'll tell him this when he comes on of him on Facebook, because he's got a lot of interesting posts that I appreciate, uh, kind of bring some humor into otherwise kind of dismal last couple years, but yeah, uh, right. So when I made that connection with, with looking at one of his posts and then saw you coming on, I'm like, Whoa, what a great guest that he would be. Um, you know, being that his dad was an influence on me when I was a young kid, it was one of the first uh, tour pros I saw actually win in person. Um, I was seven years old at the BC Open. And uh, so so his dad was a big part of my growing up in the game. Um, but then you working with him, you know, and working with him at Callaway and stuff, I just thought, wow, this would be really cool. Yeah, I mean, Calvin, Calvin's a great guy. You'll You'll see that here shortly. Um, but we, we were uh, fortunate enough to be part of the, the Callaway boom. Um, and we worked together back in the, the early 2000s. Um, Calvin was, was in Pittsburgh uh, and then Indiana. Um, he got moved to Indiana. But, but um, yeah, uh, we traveled together um quite a bit and got to know him and he's he's a first class guy like a yeah. first class guy um i i will say this probably again when he's on you know golf was not calvin's thing yeah. <laughs> not like his dad um but you know there there's so much to to calvin and and uh you know, I always enjoyed all of our interactions and, and uh, conversations we've had over the years. And it's good to have stayed in touch with him as well. You know, I, I did want to ask you, because when I was looking at some of his, his uh, LinkedIn and his Facebook and stuff, I swore that I had crossed paths with him in the past, not with Callaway, but uh, I used to, I used to putt with a putter called STX. Remember STX? The sure. head, the, yep the the rubber faces uh, yep they're, they're I, I think he was a sales guy for them wasn't he you know you might be right that does ring a bell okay. um I'm, I'm not sure you know that i can say that positively but but that de- definitely rings a bell i'll mention that because i man i love that putter for the two years that i putted with that, that was- yeah i remember they had they had kind of like a center shafted yep um rubber faced you know, kind of putter. And, and I know they were, they were big lacrosse, oh, yeah. brand, right. Yeah. And, and they tried to kind of bust through into the golf business. And I'm not even sure they're, they're, you know, in the golf end of things anymore. Um, but they definitely were for a while. Yeah. 
And, you know, what, one of the things that, uh, what do we got about five minutes here before he jumps on? Yeah. So one of the, one of the things, one of the topics that I'm sure that we'll discuss is, is diversity in golf. And it's, I, I hate to say it's a hot topic because it's, it's always been a topic and, you know, it's, it's been hot and cold on how, at least in my opinion, how the industry and how the PGA uh, tackles this issue. I, uh, I was fortunate enough to do the, B, the PGA Boys and Girls Club programs once it was a pilot when it first came out. And then for the, the years that they ran, I think it was like three or four years that it ran. And, you know, for me, it was such a great feeling to go into the, these community centers and work with these kids and introduce them to the game. And a handful of them would fall in love with golf. But the problem that that I think still exists, and it definitely existed at that time, but I think it definitely exists still is, you know, you run this program for a couple of weeks or a couple of months or whatever it is. And then, and then what, what is after that? And right. it just doesn't seem like the outreach goes far enough to, to work with the kids that fall in love with the game. And, and one of the big problems is they don't see a lot of people that look like them that, that are professionally working in the game. So I know it has to start somewhere, but to me, that's where, I see a lot of the problems. I don't know how you feel as far as, as that goes. No, you know what? That's interesting. <laughs> um, and I never really, really thought of it like that. You know, you obviously are, are you know, intimately involved in development stuff with, with young kids, especially. And, uh, you know, I never really thought of, of, yes, it's great that there's programs to get them, you know, kind of introduced to the game and, mm -hmm. and, you know, some will, will certainly be interested in, in developing affinity for it and want to continue. But, but I never really thought about the fact that, that after that, what do they do? Where, where yeah. can they go? Because it's not really easy for them to be able to just assimilate. And, and I'm not talking about just people of color, but I'm talking about all kids, right? Yeah. Yep. To just assimilate into the game. And uh, because it's, it's, there are, there are barriers up, you know, no matter yeah. where you go, there are barriers up. And certainly, you know, in respect to, to diversity, there's more barriers up for, oh, yeah. for people of color, right? Minorities. And um, yeah. And, and that's a great point that you made because with any kid, it's, it's difficult. You know, there, there's the eye rolls when, when adults see kids coming out on the golf course. And so there's just the stereotypical stuff that's there with kids in general, and then you put on top of that kids, kids of different, uh, different parts of the community coming in and it's even worse. And, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is. I know there's been efforts. I don't know how, how far these efforts have gone. Cause if we're still in the same spot, you know, I mean, we, we, there's, there's markers in history of our game. Definitely. There's the tiger marker. And this was going to bring all kinds of people of color into the game. And it did, I think it accomplished that from the standpoint of recognizing the game, being fans of the game, but I don't know how big of an impact it really had on people playing the game, maybe introductory wise, maybe, but sustaining that, I don't know. I don't know. And you couldn't have asked for a bigger, you know, person to come into the game as tiger woods to really right bring bring different uh communities in 
and I don't know if t- today, how many years ago was that? That was 25 yeah. years ago. It's interesting though, because I, the way I look at it is, is, and maybe this is too simplistic, but there, there are kind of three levels of, of this happening. Right. <laughs> and, you know, Lee Elder and Charlie Sifford yep. were kind of the, the first, you know, kind of trailblazers to, to open up the, the eyes and, and the opportunities and ideas for people to even consider that golf was an option. And, and then I think the middle step is Calvin, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, Calvin in the eighties was, was one of the best players in the world. And, and uh, well, speaking of the devil right there, he dressed up for us too. <sighs> You guys have no idea, right? <laughs> What's up, Kevin? I, I literally just got to this spot in my door, so <laughs> give me no grief. Give me you no can grief. relax. You can lay back. You can relax. It's it's just a conversation that we're having today. All good. All good. Uh, oh, well, in one second. Let me get this tie off. <laughs> you, you, you should definitely get your tie off. Right. <laughs> Well, Calvin, I'd like to start off by saying it's a pleasure having you on. And I want to tell you how we got to this point and having you on as a guest. So I, I'm, I told Andy, I'm kind of a stalker of your Facebook because I love the stuff that you put out there. Oh, no. And you're, 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 you're speaking for me in ways that I don't think I can speak. So I appreciate it. And I, and I told Andy, one of the recent posts, I saw you and him going back and forth in the comments. I'm like, Andy, you guys have a history together, don't you? And he told me about you guys working at Callaway and stuff. And I go, yeah. we got to have him on as a guest. And, and I'll tell you where with me, it, obviously it's it, with, with your dad made an impact on a lot of people, but with me, and I was just telling Andy, um, I was looking up on his Wikipedia page. Uh, I remember going to the BC Open in Endicott, New York every year as a kid. And I couldn't quite remember what year was the first year I went. So I'm looking on Wikipedia and it was, it was 82, I believe when he won the BC open, I'm like, shit, yeah, I think you're right. That, that was, I think that was the first tournament I went to live. So I just texted my dad. I said, please send that picture of me and Calvin Pete. Um, because we're going to be talking to his son here in a little bit, but for me, your dad, just beyond being the trailblazer that he was, he was a good influence on me as a golfer because I didn't hit the ball as far as everybody else. Um, so I depended on hitting it straight and man, yes. was, man, did he hit the golf ball straight? Was it, was it like eight or 10 years or something? He was leading uh, driving accuracy on tour. 10, ten, ten years straight. Yeah. Crazy. But I'm going to let that, Andy kind of lead off with, with this conversation since you guys are pretty tight. Yeah, you know, you know, what's interesting too is that is that I don't, Calvin, I don't know how much you pay attention, probably none, to, you know, the golf instructor world now, but, but there's a lot of people that talk about your dad, like, like really, now, in relation to to the golf swing and some of the stuff that that your dad, you know, did in his golf swing and and people pointing out the the relevance and the the, you know, kind of the, the way that your dad swung the club and how, you know, it's, it's something that some people are, are trying to emulate, right? 
Yes. And, uh, and it's really cool. I, and I'm sure you don't know that, but, or maybe you do, but, but there's a lot of talk about, about Calvin Pete, you know, and the way he swung the golf club. And I remember back in, in the, in the day, you know, it was almost like, like people looked at your dad's swing and, and felt like, oh, it's unbelievable how successful he is in spite of his golf swing, right? Yeah. Yes, and, right. right. And I, I bet, I mean, growing up, first off, I'll, I'll say this with regard to his swing. I, I spent a many, many years trying to figure out how to do what he did. Yeah. Um, and what I decided was it's, it's impossible to emulate, right? unless you happen to have had a freak accident when you were 10 years old or 11 years old, fell out of a tree, broke your left arm and had some old country doctor said it. Right? And right. You can only stretch it out to maybe a, 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 a 110 degree angle at best. Right. Right. And uh, actually growing up as a kid, you guys, this was a small, small sidebar. Uh, my dad was a huge John Wayne fan, right? And I never understood, you know, the his whole fascination. He always had this this sort of walk where he kept his, his, <laughs> his right. And later on in life, he explained, "Well, I can only get my left arm to this, you know, this angle." So he held his right arm at that same. So he always walked like John Wayne. Right? <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Floored me, floored me. That is um, awesome. So, and I did not know so many people were out there trying to emulate that swing. Uh, another tiny, funny uh, story you guys should know is as a kid, like probably both you guys, um, I went into the garage and picked up my dad's old hand-me-downs yep. to start to play the game. And I never understood why I could not get the ball off the tee. I could, I mean, I couldn't draw Andy, you know this. <laughs> Calvin, we 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 competed together. <laughs> right. So, so you know this. Well, I spent my whole youth not understanding even the concept of lead tape. So I did not know that all the clubs that I ever got from my dad, he de-lofted everything, <laughs> including his driver. So the driver that his 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old, 13-year-old son was trying to get off the tee with, was de-lost it to about a four-degree drop. <laughs> That's unbelievable. I thought that I was just like, I'm the worst golfer in the world. <laughs> and how did I end up with that guy as my day? <laughs> it's just absurd. Just absurd. So later on in life, he bothered to tell me, well, yes, I, I spent many nights in the garage de-lofting everything so that's that's too funny you know what fascinated me too about his story was him coming on the scene so late in life what was he in his early 20s i read um, yes before and then he turned pro in 75 that's when i was born um and it was almost like that stretch that time from being introduced so late in, in life compared to other tour pros and then the time that he turned professional and then how quickly he pretty much started winning um, on tour. It's just, it, it says a lot about, it says a lot about his character, um, about his not giving up. And obviously there, there was a lot of obstacles he had that a lot of other people didn't have to deal with that yes. he, he just, he just overcame. 
And it's, it's just a fascinating story that I think needs to be told more. Uh, Andy and I were talking about the diversity piece in the game and what we as golf professionals can do better because it seems like we've been chasing this for so long on trying to make the game more welcoming. And I think we could just start by telling more stories about guys like your dad or Ted Rhodes or Lee Elder um, and letting kids of, of, you know, kids of color understand that this game is for everybody, even though we have a history of not, not really being the case, it really is for everybody. Right. And I, you know, I think the examples are there, there, the, the example to me, the examples are there in tennis with Williams sisters. Yep. Um, uh, the examples are clearly there in baseball and, you know, again, shout out to Hammer and Hank, uh, yep. right. He'll be missed by all of us. Um, and you're right, there's, there are not enough kids, even growing up myself, there are just not enough kids who understand, um, you know, I, again, even growing up myself, I thought that golf was a game of the elite, yeah. right? And so we all, we all sort of grow up with that impression. First off, it's, it's one of the very few sports where, especially for inner city kids, you know, it's not just readily available. Yeah. You have to get to a golf course. You have to get to a golf club. And you have the challenge of the um, clubs getting, you know, having access to more than a five iron, right? Yep. Every golf company on the planet gives out five irons, you know, uh, for kids to, to hit. But, you know, that's not the game of golf. Yeah, it's um, funny. It's funny. You know, we were talking right before you got on about, about there's a lot of great first steps that are that are kind of made for kids, right? Yes. Not just kids of color, but kids in general. Kids, yes. And a lot of times, you know, it, it is about that that five iron, right? You know, here's here's a five iron, here's a program, you know, thank God that people, you know, provided us this opportunity. Yes. But what, what happens when the program's over? Exactly. You know, yes. what do you do? Right. You, you only have a five iron and golf is an elite game. And it's, yes. it's only like, so where do you go after that? Right. And yes, I, I almost look at, at people like your dad and, and, you know, Lee Elder and Charlie Sifford. And it's almost like, like they were allowed to break through because they were phenomenal golfers, right? Yes. But, but what about what about the average skilled golfer, right? Right. The, the opportunity wasn't there yet for them, right? Agreed. And agreed. Uh, yeah, and it's just I mean, it's just interesting how how that all came to be. And I agree with that. I do think that the potential there are more doors open today. Yes. Obviously, um, but in the golf industry, that doesn't mean much, right? <laughs> yep. Because, right, it's excellent that there are do more doors open. Um, but, uh, you know, the, again, the greatest challenge in the world uh, is how to, and I think, again, go back to, I do believe this, we're the greatest nation on the planet, right? We just have to live up to it. Yep. Um, how do we get kids access to a game that is not just about fairways and greens there's a lot I learned growing up on golf courses not just around the Lee Elders and the Charlie Siffers but around the Jack Nicholas's and those people yeah. of the world um, about how you present yourself I mean there are an awful lot of young guys um, not 
you know, young non-black uh, uh, African-American guys who learned a lot about how to be in a room and be a professional from the time they spent on golf courses with their dad's buddies, with their dad and their dad's friends. Right. So the game is not, you know, and my dad always said that. So I, I should, I should have prefaced my comment by letting you guys know that my dad always um, explained to uh, he, he he used to have a phrase. I'm trying to make sure I get it right, guys. Uh, um, uh, he 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 had you know he had a, a lot of phrases, but uh, and I can't remember the phrase now. But the gist of it was um, an awful lot of people are made on a golf course who may never have gotten to where they are today. They're made between the the tee box and the green just because of who they get to shake hands with, yep. who, who whose bad shot they ignored and who's, you know, uh, and how they handled themselves in, in moments of adversity. And I think that there's, you know, there's, there's a power to that access. There's a power to that opportunity there's a power to that learning that i agree with both of you it would be outstanding if we could find a way to um to open that opportunity to a lot more kids right um i you know we all know first tee exists and i think first tee is a is a fantastic idea um it i just feel like it needs help whatever that help is i can't say that i know today and i'm i certainly would never um criticize first tee because it does give an awful lot of kids access who might not have it yeah, there needs to be a halfway house, though. Right? Yes, exactly. exactly. There, you right? know, once you get through, we're on the, the turn for you to keep going. Once exactly, once yeah. first T, you know, fails you. Um, I didn't even know. How about this? I'm my name is Calvin P. Jr. and I went to Northwestern and saw this, you know, these kids walking in and out of this building, and it was called the Evan Scholars Building. Yeah, right. And, yep. and I was like, what is Evan Scholars? Right. Yep. So to not to for me to get all the way to college to find out um, again as a as a professional golfer's kid to find out that there is this way for kids and I literally have been thinking about this of late um, there is this way for kids to have access to free education not by being the greatest golfers in the world just by caddying can you imagine the level of access that implies just by being caddies who people like and you know there there's there's the evan scholars yep in the east there's the we met scholars yep right yes and i think there's even like a j wood platt scholarship fund in philadelphia if i'm not mistaken yes you're but, right but the cool thing calvin to your point is it's not necessarily about somebody having to be like like a tour player or exactly an excellent golfer what, what it really does is is it kind of opens the game up to young people right all sorts of young people but it opens the game up to young people to learn the 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 real finer aspects of the game of golf yes. you know the the acting appropriately and being able to to have conversations with adults and yes, etiquette, just etiquette, right? Plain old etiquette. Yeah. Um, I, I'm in a couple of chat groups where they they pose funny questions. You know, what happens if you're on the first tee and your friend pulls up to the tee with their radio blaring out X Y Z, right? What do you do? And 
you know, there there's a lot of funny banter back and forth, <laughs> right? And of course, I usually throw something funny in there. Um, <laughs> of just, course, it's my do. it's my nature. <laughs> but then I always come back to, you know, I learned to revere the game. So here's my actual perspective on this is how I would handle that, right? Because it's again, it's an experience I have. I, I feel like I had an experience not even you guys had in the you know. Yeah. Um, right. in, in the golf um, industry that it really shaped how I address and approach almost everyone, right? Give them a chance, right? Uh, uh, um, be a friend first and do the best you can to, to be a friend. And if it doesn't work, not everybody's intended to be someone you who loves you. Right? Right, right. Um, get your point across and move on. Yeah, I want to add add a layer on top of that. So for for about seven years, I worked at the Golf Academy of America. So it was a career college. There were seven campuses across the country. Um, And it it wasn't just kids fresh out of high school that would would come and learn about the industry and all the different job areas you could go within the industry. But it was a lot of second career guys, a lot of veterans using their GI Bill. Um, It was a very diverse group. And I, I invited uh, some kids from the boys and, or excuse me, from First Tee of Tampa Bay, because I learned that they had a larger population of middle school and high school kids than most of the First Tees around the Orlando area. So we had about 20 some odd kids that came in and they had no idea about all the opportunities that existed to work in the golf industry that had nothing to do That's with being another a outstanding point. Like what you did with Andy at Callaway, or I do have to ask this. I asked Andy, I swore <laughs> that we crossed paths very briefly. Did you rep for a company called STX Putters? I, I knew we I, met. Okay. Oh my I God. Knew, yeah. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I, I was the uh, national sales manager for a short time. I, I, again, they have a tech, by the way, Andy, side note, shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> they actually, own the patent for the softest insert for any part of that you can <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. you know when when brendan when brendan asked me that it jogged my memory i'm like you know what i think calvin did work for right. sdx and but, but that that was something that was something that was so far past that. my my memory right you know? no need no need don't worry about it Mine too at this point. Yeah. (laughs) Back to my point though, it's like it's just like there's just so much the the life skills that they can pick up, um, the career opportunities that exist that have nothing to do with playing the game. Um, Listen, the the exposure to being somewhere other than where you live. Yes. You know, I I think that you know golf is an all over the globe game. And like you said, you never have to play the game to be a part of the industry right and even when I was in the industry and I I still again I meet a lot of young people regardless of color and I say to them you know I'll meet some young engineer and they're like well I'm I'm trying to figure out a way I'm like just consider this there are an awful lot of people spending a lot of time trying to make a golf ball fly better yeah I just need you to consider that there are way more ways into this industry than playing the game Right. right. Um, because there are, I mean, just IT, there are so many ways into this industry. And 
Um, everyone needs to know better about it, right? Um, again, not just uh, uh, kids of color, but everyone needs to know more about it. And we have to be very conscious. Oh my goodness. Yes, again, I can't, came zooming home. My phone's got about one nanometer left in it, y'all. Um, uh, um, there, there, there are just, there are opportunities. We just have to figure out a way to make sure that access, um, that, 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 that everyone's focused on access. I think it's funny that this is the conversation we're having, uh, when as a nation, we are talking about whether or not we should focus on the fact that there are disparities. And I just think it's laughable to, to say, oh, let's pretend like there are no disparities because that's who we are. And I'm like, that's silly, right? Because- yeah, but, but you know what though? I mean, I, I, I definitely feel like the people who, who don't think there are disparities- Yes. It's because they don't experience them themselves, right? Yeah. And they yeah. don't have the ability to, to see past their own life and their own experience to even understand, you know- Yeah, I agree with These that. things exist, right? You can, you can almost hardly blame them because they really don't see it. Right. Yep. They really believe that there are no, um, they don't see the challenges. It's never been an issue to them. Right. right? And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, again, we, we, we need better understanding of each other, all, all, yeah. you know, all of us. So I agree a hundred percent with that. Well, yeah. you, you, you have a unique perspective too, because you're a teacher, correct? You're a fifth yes. grade teacher. And yes. you, so you, every day you're all about inspiring kids and, and, trying them to see more than what's right in front of their face. So that combined, and, and we're talking about golf, but you know, uh, it could be anything. So kudos to you, man, for doing what you do. My brother's a fourth grade teacher and he just loves day in and day out, just trying to, to change the lives of kids. And that's what, what I try to do with golf. And I know that's what Andy tries to do with what he does. Um, so I, what I was interested in is having you guys maybe share some stories about being on the road with each other, being some road warriors with, with Callaway, oh, Lord. Do, doing the sales thing. Yeah, you know, um, first off, Andy was very, very good at what he did. And he's probably still very, very good at what he does. Oh, uh, yeah, by the way, Andy, uh, tell Sam we're, we should all get together sometime soon. Absolutely. So you know, since we do live in the same city. I know. Mr. Calvin. Trust me, I think about it a lot. Andy. I know. So do I. We need to, we need to fix that. Right. Soon. Um, I, would, I would say uh, to, um, uh, to that road worry idea, you know, for me, a place that I hold dear is the, the PGA show down in, yep. uh, down in Orlando. And the experience, way. yes, that experience, I think, is um, it goes beyond almost any door you can walk in, though we did walk into some very, 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 you know, walking into Oakmont and belonging is a right. phenomenal feeling, yeah. right? Um, walking on the Inverness again and belonging is an outstanding feeling, right? I, yeah. I, I can't even imagine for anyone who loves the game, um, if they knew they would be so jealous of what, you know, where we just get to stand, right? Exactly. You know, where you get to walk and, and you get offered an opportunity to play. And yep. I think that that alone, just those experiences alone, I can't see how it could not make 
friends, better friends, and and great friends, family. It's it's virtually impossible to stand in a place where you can't help but have emotion for it, mm-hmm. and be standing next to someone, looking out over it, feeling the grass under your feet, and not thinking, ah, right? This is it. It's pretty pretty incredible to think about. Like like I think. I think a lot of us take for granted, right? The, the places that we're allowed to, to walk on and, and look at and, and be, be there, you know, physically there. It's just, and to know all the history that's happened at some of those places is, it's just an incredible thing to even, even think about, right? Absolutely amazing. I mean, I think about the number of people and I could probably What's the number one place anyone and everyone asks me about? Can either one of you guess? Augusta. Augusta, yeah. right? It's, I don't care who I meet, if they like the game, if they've just gotten into the game, if they've been around the game their whole lives, it's, I could almost tell you the first question beyond any questions about my dad. So they always ask questions about my dad. Beyond that, the next question I can almost start to answer before they ask, right? Have you been to Augusta? Right. <laughs> what is Augusta like? And I, I'm, I marvel at that. Just imagine um, what that tells you about just a space that's a bunch of green. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the reverence that, that green grass and trees can have. I think yeah. that's, you know, it's, it's like the Grand Canyon of golf. Yeah, right? yep, no doubt. It's just an amazing thing that there that there are places like that in the world, and to have had even a moment's access to it, I think is um, you know, it's life changing, in a lot of ways. So um, yeah, place matters, right? Yeah, yeah and, no doubt. Those experiences definitely matter. What's uh, so, what's your fondest memory of growing up watching your dad play? Is there anything that sticks out? Yes. Uh, okay, one year, and I'm going to say, so no, you don't hold me to this because you imagine being Calvin Pete's son and all the places I went that I didn't even know where I was at the time. So I think that I, I, I'm, I'm going to, and I'm sticking with the, the story I typically tell in terms of where it was. I, I remember what it was. Um, the, the, I think it was Inverness. There was a practice, there was the US Open was being held there. And the uh <laughs> this was during the Thursday practice round, um, uh, where you know all the players are on the tour and they're all going out and you know hitting balls to different spots, et cetera. And and I think um Brendan, should I tell him who the winner was and what year that was? Oh, you know that. Yes, oh, yeah. <laughs> give it to me. <laughs> it was 1979. Yes. And okay, was, that's perfect. And Hale Irwin won then it was Inverness because I can tell you, I remember Hell Irwin won the tournament. Yeah. Um, we were on, um, so this, again, I had no idea who my dad was even, right? I mean, I knew who my dad was, but I, I did not understand his legacy even then. Um, we were um, on the 16th tee um, during the practice round and um, my dad, he he hit a drive, you know. He hit his he hit his drive off the tee, and I kid you not, the ball landed on the right side of the fairway and probably trickled 
maybe six inches off the fairway. <laughs> and the, the loudspeaker came on over the entire golf course and it said, Shing! ladies and gentlemen, Calvin Pete has just missed the 16th fairway. <laughs> and as far as I could see, people were doubled over laughing. My dad, I never saw my dad laugh on a golf course. Jaws were dropped. <laughs> I, and I was like, well, what the? Everybody for as far as you could see laughing. And I came to understand in that moment, wow, right? Wow. And I'm pretty sure our practice round, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I won't say I know for sure who it was, but that moment, I will never, that will never leave me because that moment, I had a much better sense for who it was I was living with yeah. and taking for granted on a daily basis. You know, it, that's really interesting to think about because, you know, it'd be one thing if your dad's career was exactly what it was and you know he had all those wins and he had a bunch of Varden trophies yes um but the fact that he was known for being the most accurate player in the yeah. game almost right. uh, almost elevates the mystique of your dad right I mean like it's it's unbelievable to think mm -hmm. about just how good a player he was how successful he was all that other stuff but you throw on top the fact that he was the most accurate player potentially to ever play the game just makes it even more of a, of a, of a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's a, again, it's mind blowing because I think the worst year he had, I mean, his, his accuracy was something like 78 and that must've yeah. been a tough weather year in the golf industry. Yeah. Still no one was within 10 percentage points of him that year. I just find that again, I wish I knew then, right? So from that point on, I knew, but I wish I knew then. And I, and in that moment, I kid you not, guys, when you can look, when you hear your father's name and you're standing on the tee and you can look around you and for as far as you can see, there are faces and names you've known and you've revered your whole life and you see them doubled over laughing with him. And that's a great, that's a great laugh too, because right. that, that's such a compliment, right? Right. And yeah. they, they couldn't help us. It was the funny. And I bet out again, things, there are things that live with you forever, right? Yeah. And there are things that you can be having the toughest day ever. And that one thought can raise you a thousand pegs, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's my peg raiser right there. It's so and funny, it, you know, people would always ask me, when they knew you and I worked together, you know, Hey, what's Calvin like? And my, <laughs> my stock answer was he never misses a fairway. <laughs> I would tell that to everybody. Right? You better apologize to a lot of people. <laughs> exactly. Oh Andy, you're a stats guy. Did, did, did his dad have the highest uh, fairway hit percentage on tour ever? Was it, I mean, was I, everybody knows how accurate he was, but from a percentage standpoint, was he up there is probably still to this day, one of the most accurate ever. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if you do Calvin, but I would imagine. The answer is that. yes. Yeah. Right. Again. Oh, that was the, one of the phrases. 
his my so again i hope that not too many people are listening here although i hope a lot of people are listening <laughs> um one of my dad's absolute phrases that i remember my whole life he would always say to me as i was struggling to try to hit the ball a thousand miles and 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 somehow managed to keep it somewhere near the fairway he go son i'd rather hit the ball shortening the fairway than a long way the wrong way yeah. <laughs> and he never came off that phrase. So you imagine if that was his focus. And I never saw anybody. Oh, okay, I do have another memory. I'm gonna give you guys, I'm gonna give yeah. you guys one more, one more memory. I was very young at the time. And again, this this is actually more impressive. Um, but in my youth, I didn't realize it. I remember um, the, uh, uh, there was a little golf course in Belgrade, Florida, right? So it's one of those tiny little cities where my dad grew up. And what's funny is he actually used to, um, you guys would know this, but um, my dad, uh, Dan Marino, I think maybe Icky Woods, a few people, they, they would sneak to this little way out in the country. Nobody's going to know any of them you know, little, uh, 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 the, this little dirt track uh, course in Belgrade, Florida, and they all would play together. Um, but uh, I, re I remember, I think I couldn't have been more than, I promise you, seven years old, maybe eight years old. And my dad, he, he stood up on this, um, in, in this, this um, let's call it a practice, the practice box. And he had, he gave me his, uh, shag bag you know it's one of those old school bags with a little you had a handle on it and yep. you just punch the balls and they pop yep. up in there and he sent me out and again as a little kid it felt like I was 200 yards away I have no idea how far I was away but I'm sure it wasn't you know that far and he said keep going keep going keep going and he's stop, stop right there and he's turn around face me and um I had the little bag in, in my hand and he started hitting balls. And I kid you not, I he, he hit those balls and he must've hit, I can't even tell you how many. And I just would take a little shag bag and each time he hit one, I would pick, pick it up. And I never had to move from the spot I was standing in. The ball never came, it never threatened to hit me. And I never had to move to pick one ball up. I think I had to like stretch my right leg out a little bit <laughs> and lean. And I went again, can you imagine not even understanding what a phenomenal thing that was, right? What to be standing, I never had an ounce of fear. Never had an ounce of fear. And I mean, every single ball where I could just lean and punch that little thing on it and today i think about that and i am blown away by who he was in that moment no, no question i think that's an awesome story that right. just adds to the lore of your dad right. and that's what people think of him and you just justified it with a personal story like that right so just i mean i'm tearing up to think about what an amazing moment that was yeah so calvin did did you have the opportunity to watch the the tiger documentary i watched uh God, i had my kids i no 
No, I apologize. Yeah. I, I did not get a chance to watch. It. I mean, I'm a I'm a Tiger fan, and right, and uh, certainly uh, will watch it, but I haven't watched it yet. Sorry. Yeah, it was Brendan. You you saw both episodes. I I presume. I watched them when they premiered both nights. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I believe I can understand that. And uh, um, I'm not sure why I haven't. But anyway, again. Um, no, it, it just I was I was just gonna ask you. You know, just and and you wouldn't have had to watch it or not, but yeah. it's just uh, it, it brought it brought back a lot of of things that we kind of already knew about Tiger growing up and about his dad and oh my goodness, what 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 an unbelievable set of obstacles. You know, some of it right. was on purpose, right? But yes, some, some of it was just purely like. Earl Woods being a bit of a crazy guy, right? Yeah. Yes. And right. to think of all the stuff that, that Tiger had to deal with, you know, it, it just blows my mind, you know, and I, and I have, I have so much respect for, for Tiger for a lot of reasons, right? You know, for, for the golfer he became, obviously, for how he overcame his personal adversities and, now you know he's um i got a very good friend who's a member at the medalist down in jupiter where where tiger plays and you know tiger's there quite a bit and and to a person everybody at the club says he just couldn't be nicer right he's he's nice to all the members he's nice to the people that work there he's friendly he's outgoing you know and i also know that that here at Champions here in Houston, where the, the tour championship was every year, he was not nice, right? Yes. He, was, he was not right. friendly. He was just the opposite, right? So yeah. it's amazing to me how much he's grown um, as a person. And, and I, I just, I, I have so much respect and reverence for, for the guy. Well, no question. And, and we all watched him grow, right? Adversity grows everyone. Yeah. Right. right. And um, uh, I, I think about all we saw him go through, like you said, all we saw him go through and all that he, again, went through just becoming Tiger Woods, right? Just dealing with his dad. Yeah. Right. Um, I cannot imagine. I, 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 I mean, again, he wouldn't be Tiger Woods without his dad. So there's a, you know, there's a, the, the, cake with your crying right no no doubt um, no doubt um but how in my life my dad you know relative to earl woods was exactly the opposite yeah right when when i was the age where um you know you were really you know seven eight nine my dad was having minor you know back problems and rotator cuff challenges little little aches and tweaks so for him, you know, like for us, when we were in the industry and Andy, um, again, there's another dad. It's a good thing you all are talking to me because little dadisms come up. <laughs> I remember how many times my dad also said, son, if I don't get out of the bed, the doors in the corporation don't open, right? Because he's right. like, I am the, I am the industry right. in the house. Yep. Right. And, um, but I think because for him, he loved the game. And he loved the time on the course because he was very comfortable out there. And I, uh, again, think about 
I cannot imagine the stress he played under because we haven't talked about. Just imagine the time, the the years that he won. Yeah. He never won a a tournament where he didn't have to change his hotel on Friday or Saturday night. So just imagine. Really? He never won a tournament where he didn't have to. And he would already be registered under an alias and have to change his hotel. Wow. Right. Um, But I go back to, I, I think about his whole thing was, I want you to play the game and I want you to love the game, but you don't have to be, you don't have to be a pro at this game, right? I would rather you just like the game. And I, I love that that was my dad's perspective on it, right? Because I would have killed myself trying to be like him if yeah. he told me to try to be like him. And so that makes my heart feel good every day that he never, you know, it made me love the game even more. Right, because there he was, and everybody wishes their son was who they are, right, yeah. yep. and could carry on their their torch and their their um, legacy. Um, but uh, you know, and he would always say to me, "I wish I was like you because you don't know any strangers, Calvin. You yeah. are comfortable in every single room you're in. You are." He's like, "I wish I was like you." I can attest to that. <laughs> I can attest to that. Yeah. You told uh-huh. me, Andy, when I met. When I met Calvin tonight, that the dynamic personality would shine through, and it, it, it obviously that's shining through. Oh, we lost him. <laughs> so that's what a good compliment will do, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, it's uh, to my to my point that I just made. Um, I remember that brief interaction that him and I had, and I think it was the PGA show. Now that now that he brought that up, um, so I don't remember him. But what you were telling me, it's it's right on spot on, man, because he he is you could see that he would be the, the person to light up a room, any room that he walked into. And he's been like that from the first day I met him, you know, and, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I'm glad he he touched on that whole thing with his dad. And, and was there ever any pressure put on him? And, you know, I think about my son. Right. And and, uh, you know. I'm certainly no Calvin Pete, but you know, I love the game and played at a, at a decent level. Right. And um, you know, when my son first started playing, he was really pretty good in all these little Linkster tournaments and he'd win a bunch of them. And, and um, (coughs) one day he's maybe nine years old after doing this for a couple of years, he told me he didn't want to play anymore. And I, I was never going to be the dad that was going to make my kid do anything in terms of sports that they didn't want to do. Right. Sure. Yep. But I can honestly tell you that I, I regret a little bit that I didn't push back and make it too easy for him to quit. Right. And there's a fine line between, you know, pushing them and just letting them do their thing. There's a fine line and, I think he would tell me he has told me today that he wished he didn't quit. He wished he kept playing. And, and uh, it's just one of those things. And every time I see or talk to a father with a young boy now, I always share that, that story. And, and, you know, the story has two parts to it, right? It has that part about not wanting to be the, the dad who pushes, but, but 
lo and behold, it, it unveiled the other part, which is, you know, don't let your kid give up too easily, you know? And uh, it's definitely something I think about all the time. And it, it happened with not just with golf, but with basketball with my yeah. son too. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to twist that a little bit. Cause I said this um, at the, um, when I accepted the PGA national award in, in Austin a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, I, my kids don't play golf. They, they both did. Both of them did PGA junior league for a couple of seasons and, and we tried it, but it just wasn't their thing. And I was okay with it because I knew they had a really good introduction to the game um, early in their life. And that'll, that'll always be there. So whether, whether it's something they continue to do now or something they do when they're 20 something years old, because they remember how good that experience was when they tried it as, as a young kid, it's, I'm okay with it. And I'm a PGA pro. So you would think that it hurts a little bit that my kids don't play golf right now, but that good first experience, I know just set the table for them to play it when they're young adults, you know, in, in business and whatever they do later in life. Yeah. And now, now my son loves golf. He's, he's not very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, okay. that's a good thing. Yeah, it, good it, thing. it is a good thing, but, but he, he loves playing with his cousins and, and his friends and, and you know what? So, so good for that. It's Calvin, when, when you were gone, we were talking about how, you know, there's a fine line between that pushy overbearing parent. Yes. And then I was telling Brendan that, that, you know, I kind of let Sam quit when he wanted to quit. And, and I, I, I said that I always wish that I didn't make it e as so easy, easy as I made it. Yeah. 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 So there, there's a fine line and, and it's uh, a challenge. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, in every industry, I imagine, and any, uh, it doesn't even matter if it's sports or not, if, uh, if a dad loves something or a mom for that matter, anybody loves something and their kid tries it. It's, yeah. it's a, can you imagine the challenge, especially if you see talent yeah. to, to be bigger than the moment to look at your child and say, I'd rather my kid be happy. Right. Right. Than me be happy watching them do something I want them to do. Right. I think that, um, and I, I really think that's how my dad felt. I, I'm honest to goodness. Um, you know, every kid grew up getting spanked. My dad never spanked us ever. You know, all my dad had his punishment. Again, imagine who he is, right? He's Calvin Pete, and he spends how many days of the year away from home at the golf course? Right. We're right. sitting in front of the television watching him play. The most potent my father was in terms of punishment. He would say, "I'm so disappointed in you." Yeah, that was enough. And you might not see him for two weeks, yeah. right? Yeah. And you spent two weeks like, oh my God. <laughs> I promise you, we were the best kids you ever met in your life. Yeah. We were the, I remember my brother begging my dad to spank him. <laughs> <laughs> please, please. No. Right. Can you imagine? I, yeah. I can't, right? And just beyond me, the little things that I think about back to, <laughs> to, to him and right. his approach to the world. Um, and, uh, if you look back at all the thousands of pictures of him with the Kango hat on, yep. with, he'd have on the matching hat and the, the pants, 
my dad hemmed every pair of his pants himself. Did wow. he really? Right. He he put the lead on every one of his clubs. He was just, you know, that's what. And I also, I would, um, you know, again, talking about Andy and I and our experiences in the golf industry. I met how many guys did you meet, Andy, in their late forties, early fifties? You go to their club, and they hint to you or tell you or be insistent that they were gonna, you know, go for the senior tour. Right. right? And, and I would just remember looking at these guys, and I'm thinking, man, I, I need to tell you this, and so I'm gonna share this moment with you. My dad was gone before the sun came up and came home after sunset on Christmas day. Right. You need to understand that you being really good here at your club, I need you to understand every one of those old guys you see on the tour, they're married to the game. It is no not doubt. their mistress. It is not their wife. Their, sec- they, their wife already, under- if she's been married to them the whole time, they know who their mis- who is who their husband's mistress is. It is the game of golf. <laughs> and it's not in it for, for, for the best of the best. It's not a job, right? It is a right? marriage. It is, it's honestly is, yep. it is, they wake up in the morning thinking, how can I make golf happy with you? Yep. Yep. What can I do to make the game love me? Not the people to make the game love me, to make yep. my ball want to do what I want it to do because it loves me. Right. And, um, and that also, that makes me think of the, uh, there's, there's this one shot you see of him all the time. Uh, uh, it's at, it's at, uh, I think it's at, um, uh, I think it's at uh, the TPC, um, yeah, and right. he he hits this uh, uh, four wood from I you know is he was never a long ball hitter, so let's say he hit this four wood from you know two hundred yards out there. I just to watch the ball fly, and for him to be able to hit a a wood from the fairway, and have the ball land and roll to within three or four feet of the cup, on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. On purpose. And how many times I watched, um, you know, sat in the clubhouse at, uh, uh, at Sawgrass and watched VJ Singh hit ball yeah. after, after ball. ball <laughs> after, I mean, like it was after ball. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. <laughs> and not stop until he couldn't see the ball anymore. Right. right. So dark, he just couldn't see him anymore. I, um, so the game, it is it is a labor of love. And it is it is like you said, it is beyond the game. Right. Oh, it yeah. is their wife. It is their it's, you know, the rest of us. You know, my dad, I, I remember him saying, son, go ahead and cut the turkey. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I felt like a big man here. Right. And it felt good. Yeah. Um, but I, I every time I met a guy rolling into his 50s telling me he was gonna hit the senior tour all i could think is yeah you have no idea what those guys are doing (laughs) (laughs) you know it's it's funny calvin so you know i i can only imagine i know how proud you are your dad um absolutely and and i don't i don't know how much you know maybe you do just how much his name is still relevant today and, mm-hmm. and he's been gone for a while, but mm-hmm. you know what? I think that's really cool and says a lot about 
you know, what your dad accomplished and, and who he was, you know, as a person and a player, I, I think it's, it's got to be the, the cherry on top, right. To know that, that still today in 2021, people are talking about your dad. People are talking about the way he swung the golf club and oh, absolutely, and how um, incredible his career was. And I, I think for me, the, the tell is, and we also, we started this conversation tonight uh, with the joke about being on Facebook together. Yeah. And the number of guys on my Facebook page, they refuse to leave. They 100% disagree <laughs> with my political views, but they won't leave. And they constantly say, if I didn't love your dad so much, mm. I'd be gone, <laughs> right? I, again, you just, I, it makes, imagine what an impact that, that makes, again, like you said, right. it has been a good long time. And yeah. the number of those guys who are so tired of my voice with regard to my politics, but they're still like, so when are we putting on the push to get your dad into the hall of fame? Yeah. Those same guys who they come to my, um, they, 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 tell me how much they agree with me on Facebook and then they messenger me. So when are we doing this? Right? When, when is the push coming for us to get him into the Hall of Fame? What do we need to do? How do we help you? And that, I think, that's that's the testament for me, right? Because I say some crazy stuff that I know they disagree with and they, <laughs> but that love, the the and the number, and, and I have to tell you guys, the number of people I haven't said yes to, my wait list is beyond my imagination in terms yeah. of people who love and remember him in that way yeah. and i yeah. feel so undeserving of them trying to be on my friend list right because um you know I, uh, not small calvin <laughs> right, right? I, I, I know right yeah and it's not like the list I stopped no. at like 27, 29, or whatever that amazing. I'm like, I can't. I, who am I going to kick off to, to add you onto the list, right? And the number of their friends, again, the same guys who absolutely agree with everything I say, they're still asking and inviting their friends to friend me. And I think that says a lot. That says a lot about the way people um, feel about him. Um, and I'm going to give you guys another Calvin Peteism, you know, and I, he didn't make the phrase up, but he said it a lot later on in life, you know, and um, he would say, um, give me my flowers while I yet live. Yeah. Right. And, and many a times he told us, well, you guys are my flowers. Right. But I always took that um, for, from my standpoint to say, how do you lead no matter who you are? the greatest players on the planet aside, how do you on the PGA tour lead a statistical category for 10 straight years and there be a question about whether or not you're in the hall of fame? I just laugh about yeah. it, Yeah. right? Because I think that um, he is in the hall of fame because nobody will ever forget that, right? Yeah. His peers, no um, uh, uh, again, um, the people I got to meet just based on that, um, <laughs> Andy knows. You just imagine where I started the, uh, for Callaway outside yep. uh, my little territory there in in, in northern Indiana. That, that was awful. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's all right 
Because yeah. let me tell you the testament to my dad. So um, I had a, a, a Jason and Jill, the Hofiuses. They were the the head pro and um, yep. uh, at uh, I can't remember Green Green something. Um, I remember them tearfully calling me one morning and saying I was supposed to come over to the clubhouse to meet them. And I'm going, just don't come, Calvin, don't come. The 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 clan was having a rally in the little town they were in, right? Yeah. And them, uh, that 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 they were so devastated by having to even call me and do that. But in that same territory in Northern Indiana, and um, I remember also the number of doors, and I didn't understand at the time, uh, 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 guys, the number of doors where I walked into the pros shop and they said, oh yeah, you're not gonna be here long, right? And I never understood that, right? And what they were saying is, you've got it. Yeah. And you got the name that adds to it. They're not going to leave you here <clears throat> in what we consider Podunk, Indiana. Right. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to be here forever. 10 months and out. <laughs> right. <laughs> 10 months and out. And, On to bigger um, and better. Right. And I just, um, it, uh, again, just, I knew in those moments, um, doors closed in tiny little, um, close off neighborhoods in nowhere, Indiana, and pros are like, man, your dad don't tell my members, but he's one of my heroes. <laughs> and I, I, you know, that my heart every day, right? I was like, okay, I'm okay in Indiana, right? Um, but that to me, it that told me how people felt about him. Yeah. Right. That told me how people and the number of guys, the number of pros who I also met, who knew so many um, um, club pros uh, caddied at, at tour events when they were kids. Right. And they to a man, they'd always say, I sit down for a second. I have to tell you this about your dad. And I already knew what was coming. I met a ton of them in a ton of different cities. You know, Andy, you know, I lived in multiple cities and worked uh, in multiple yep. cities. They say when the X tournament came and your dad was there, he was my favorite golfer because he would show up at the club on whatever that was, Wednesday morning or Thursday morning or whatever it was, with a full bag full of um, McDonald's sausage biscuits <laughs> and and orange, the little orange juice cups that McDonald's used to have. And he would sit with us caddies. No other pros would do that. They'd be all off in the pro area, rubbing the elbows with each other. And he sat with us. And I will never forget that. And these are guys who are like, come on in, Calvin. I need you to know, you know, yeah, uh, my, uh, my ping rep has been here with me for 12 years. I've rotated through 12 Callaway reps, but I'm going to give you the business because your dad sat, gave me that sausage sandwich and treated me like a person. You know, isn't that's it great that his, that his game gets him noticed, but his personality and who he is as a person is what really drew people to him. I mean, it, it's a testament for what everybody, how they should, everybody should carry themselves. I agree. And that, that's why I say this, what you can learn from that game is outstanding. And that everybody's not the same. And I think Andy, when Andy talked about the Tiger Woods growth, yeah. you know, he, 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 he had to have the life experiences 
um, to grow. It actually, I remember now, I had a thought when you were talking about that, meeting Michael Jordan. And I remember uh, the first time I uh, met Michael and it was um, is at Hilton Head at some charity event with my dad. And I was like, oh my God, Michael Jordan. <laughs> and Michael Jordan here looked at me, he was like, don't hear what worship me. And you know, for a kid again, I'm like, but you, I know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> but don't hear what worship me, right? Just see me as, I'm your dad's peer. I'm your dad's friend. I'm just, right? And that, again, so many little things. I cannot tell you the, the experiences I had just because of my dad and the things that helped me grow. I was a little hurt because it was Michael Jordan and he knows <laughs> the whole world wanted to cling to his ankle and not let him walk away without dragging and scraping them across the ground. Um, uh, but, but I grew from that experience. Yeah, the, right? cool th the cool thing that he was telling you is, look, you don't have to be like the millions of people who hear or worship me. Exactly. You're on, you're on the inside. We're, we're friends, right? And, and interestingly enough, the other person who did that was Jack Nichols. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Right. He was like, so what do you, and I, again, I remember it. <laughs> what do you want to be when you grow up? That question, that question that we all get when we were a kid. Yeah. Yep. But can you imagine Jack Nicholas asking you that? And he's Jack Nicholas. And you're looking at Jack Nicholas, <laughs> right? And a question came out, and it's Jack Nicholas, right? And I don't even know. I mean, I I I do remember what I said. I said, I said, well, I want to be rich like you. And he and my dad <laughs> cracked up. Right? <laughs> Jack was like, we're going to work on that response, but I like that. <laughs> so again, I cannot tell you the life experiences. The, the but, that, but that's the other really cool thing, Calvin, is that, you know, you grew up pretty much, you know, watching your dad in the midst of the best of yeah. Jack. Listen, yep. the people I took for granted, right. can you imagine being on a tiny little plane <clears throat> for two hours with Lee Trevino, yeah, <laughs> on a little like something on a little like you know two propeller plane. Lee Trevino was Lee Trevino for the entirety <laughs> of the two hours. Yeah, my stomach hurt, my eyes hurt. I've never laughed so hard in my life. I, I, I mean, I was like, Dad, you might not be my favorite player anymore, because <laughs> um, just. And to be honest, so so as so you guys know, growing up, um, again, permitting because again, my dad was not that person. He didn't. He didn't. You know, idolize me. He was that just wasn't him. Uh, my favorite player was the Walrus. Yeah, because he lost his temper. He was allowed to lose his temper on the <laughs> golf course, and I was like, "That's me, right?" <laughs> you couldn't help but love him because he was like, and I was like, "Oh." He understands me, right? He understands me. So you know, you know what's kind of sad is is that you know I think about Lee Trevino and and I I look at at a lot of old video of of Lee Trevino, you know, making cracks at the microphone while he's playing golf and so yes. And, and unfortunately, his act would get run out of town now, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness! Because because of he he was never politically correct. I remember 
this one <laughs> British Open, Mr. Mr. Lee, I think, was this Chinese guy, Mr. Lu, right? Yes. He, he was <laughs> imitating Mr. Lu's, you know, Chinese. Right, American. you could never do that. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of a shame, right? That, that somebody like Lee Trevino wouldn't have been Lee Trevino, right? If he were, right. if he were around now. PC, right? right, the, right. the era wouldn't, and again, Craig Sadler wouldn't be Craig Sadler. Right. And yeah. John Daly wouldn't be John Daly. The only people for sure you could say would be themselves are Ray Floyd and uh, uh, um, Corey Pavin. Yeah. <laughs> the, the only two people who, you know, and obviously the, the legends, but that's because they were bigger than the game. Right. Um, no one's ever bigger than the game, but Arnie and Jack were. So, yeah. Take that for what you will, America. Calvin, I got <laughs> one question and then I'll hand it over to Andy for one last question. Sure. So obviously being not just the son of Calvin Pete, but the namesake of Calvin yes. Pete, did you feel pressure, even though golf, you know, you didn't feel pressure from your dad specifically, but did you feel pressure to be in golf some way and somehow? Because I know you're an educator now. You did some yeah. stuff with transportation, but you kind of were in there as a sales guy. Did you feel that pressure to do something in the world of golf? No, the only pressure, I mean, so I'm, I'm going to give you a longer answer than that. So possibly, maybe, no, yes. Um, <laughs> I have a double response to that. So pressure, the pressure I felt growing up was I never went to a golf course in my youth where I stepped up on the first tee and I did not hear the building creaking and feel the whole building leaning towards the tee from the, the, the people trying to see, does he drive it like his dad? Yep. You cannot imagine. <laughs> <laughs> right? You cannot, if, and again, I go back to, what was I hitting? I was hitting a four degree driver that I didn't know was de-lofted to four degrees. I never, I could feel the building creaking and leaning towards the tee. So, so from the pressure standpoint, that was the pressure that I felt as, as a kid growing up. So I would, if you met me at a golf course and you guys, you could have met me, you would have never known it if we met in, when I was younger at a golf course, I'd say, hello, I'm Cal, right? And we play our round of golf and whatever advice you gave me, I took it, right? And uh, I, I, I was the same, I chatted with you and, you know, and a lot of guys, I would get to the end of the round and they, they're like, God, you were such a friendly kid. Your game was in, right? <laughs> but I would play with you again because you were courteous and you listened yep. and you yep. were, oh, what's your name? You said Calvin, what's your, give me your name and your number. And I'd say Calvin Pete Jr. And their faces would go flush that they had been giving me advice the whole day. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one. And two, from the standpoint of being in the industry, um, Andy, um, I, Andy might not know this, but Andy does know Blake McHenry. Yeah. Um, um, when I first, uh, um, when I first interviewed for um, <coughs> Callaway, 
uh, I was at that point, I was working for the Chicago Transit Authority, CTA. Um, And I remember I was uh, scanning, you know, I was looking down that back then what was uh, a monster back then. And I was that kind of person. I had a really good relationship with my boss. And I remember her walking past me and looking over my shoulder and seeing this job. It said um, uh, rep for a startup golf ball company. And she smacked me in the back of my head. And she was like, if you don't go for that job, I'm going to fire you on principle. It's <laughs> like, you are built for that. And the only reason that I applied for that job was because it said it was a startup golf ball company. And I said, if I'm going to go into the golf industry, right? And at that point, I'd done sales and marketing. So if I'm going to go into the golf industry, I'm going to go in with some tiny little engine that can and show the world that I didn't have to leverage Calvin Pete, that I'm an excellent salesman and I'm an excellent person and I can do it. Again, at the end of the third interview, poor Blake, right? So he's like, we like you, we're gonna offer you the job. I bet you wanna know who you're interviewing for. The thought had never crossed my mind because it said a startup golf ball company, right? So I was like, what do you mean? Right. And he reaches down under the desk with all this bravado. And, you know, I still have it though, Andy. And he pulls that Callaway, that black Callaway um, uh, 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 notepad. It was, it was like a leather bound and it just held like your paper pad and a pencil and a pen or whatever inside of it. He's like, Callaway golf. And I was like, oh, right. And his face goes, what? I was like, oh, I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm, you know, I said, I am excited, but I wanted to start with some little engine that could to battle the Callaways and the Tylus of the world. And I remember him saying, but that's why I want to hire you. You see what I'm holding up here, Calvin? Right. I have right. The rule 35. (laughs) That's it. Um, And he said, he said, that's why I want to hire you. He said, you were probably one of maybe 10% of the people who didn't, because they didn't have an inside track, you didn't know who you were interviewing for and you wanted the job because you wanted the struggle of building something. And so, um, so no, I I, I mean, I I literally was never gonna get in the golf industry because I never wanted anyone to say, you got in this industry and you did well because you were your father's son. Because I knew that a measure of my success would be because of that. so I, again, I chased the smallest little company I could and ended up with the biggest company in the world. <laughs> right. Thanks to Andy Heidorn. Oh, all thanks to me there, Calvin. You and Reed Gorman. <laughs> <laughs> no, those were some great days. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I, I can speak for myself and I'm sure Brennan too, that, that we really appreciate you taking the time to come on with us tonight absolutely um and and you're every bit the guest that i expected you be you would be and i knew you would be um you're a you're a great person calvin and and i'm lucky to call you a friend and and uh we we do have to make sure that we get together here yes sir i mean you know i would have issues with anybody else but i'm pretty sure it's like a 20 minute drive yeah, it like, is. <laughs> we have no excuse. We can meet at the Turkey Leg Hut. Yeah. I don't go there, but the rest of the world in Houston does. So I know you know how to get there, and I can find my way over there. 
Yeah, right? exactly. Everybody knows. Um, and thank you. Listen, the honor is all mine, right? Um, you guys inviting me here to talk about someone who I'm not. I just, by virtue of being his son, I get to sit here and um, talk with two friends. And I think that that's, uh, that's the specialness in this moment, right? Okay. And I very much appreciate that. And nobody listening to this podcast try to friend me. <laughs> no because you can't get anybody to unfriend you yeah right <laughs> but you try oh do, I, do I, I do have my 2021 block party yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we all should do that in 2021 <laughs> right yeah uh and thank you both um again like i said honors on mine i thank you guys for giving me an opportunity to reminisce and to talk about the the biggest shadow cast in my world, right? And the and the biggest beacon and light in my world. So thank you guys for giving me that opportunity. No, we really appreciate it, Calvin. Absolutely. It's been great. So All right, I'm not uh, sure what I'm supposed to do. This was episode two of Love of the Link season three. We'll uh, we're going to be everywhere you find your podcast. So we'll get this uploaded uh, to the audio portion, will be uploaded. Uh, to those, we'll post it on Facebook. Um, and the video portion, I'll get this up tomorrow on Facebook and on YouTube. Uh, but check us out, YouTube, Instagram, uh, Facebook. We'll have a lot of good discussions with very interesting folks from the from the world of golf, like, like our friend Calvin tonight, uh, as we go on through the season. So everybody, I hope you have a good night uh, and best wishes to everybody in 2021. Thank you. Hey, I'll introduce you guys to Charlie Suffert Jr. There we go. <laughs> I have a few friends out there, guys. Oh, I'm sure you do. <laughs> All right. Y'all have a great night. All Thank right. You. you too. See ya. Thanks for listening to Love of the Links Golf Radio. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our website is littlelinksers.com backslash love. You can email us at loveofthelinks at gmail.com.